Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. All right. Um, hey, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast of uh, Criminal Motives, and we're behind the crime scene tape, trying to give a little bit of insight on some cases we're working and some things that we're going through and how some of that evolves, and, and hopefully uh, make an interesting thing for you that um, we've run across, myself, my son, Jared, and uh, our situation uh, currently always uh distancing so we're in two locations trying to put this together eventually we hope to be in the same room so for now uh, we're gonna we're gonna rock it this way for a minute hope everybody is uh, uh doing well um rough week in polk county this this week uh, yeah uh, you know it, man we go back to talking about some things that we want to cover on our show and and post-traumatic stress and you know i just keep looking at that one line that sheriff judd said where he cannot unsee what he saw the other day in lakeland and, yeah uh, that's that's tough that's that's real tough and uh, not being able to unsee something's not good but uh, you know the world we live in and our job and a lot of times, um, unseeing something doesn't fit in the picture right away. So it'll be interesting one day to get his take on how he handled that. So maybe for sure, can... for sure. How you yeah. doing, man? Hey, I'm I'm doing good. Uh, you know, things are things have been crazy, but we're doing good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to get another episode in. Uh, as far as I know, I don't know if there's that many uh, father son true crime podcast shows so uh this might be the only one but if i find one then i'll you know i'll give credit where credit's due but this will be father son on the good side of the law not father sons who have committed the crimes yeah yeah we're not uh no no mob family kind of stuff here so <laughs> yeah we're not doing uh, it from a jail cell that's right our county somewhere that's right a quick quick backstory you know my my dad was in law enforcement that's all i knew you know i knew he was a cop i knew he was uh you know running running bad guys off the street and coming home in different undercover cars and had some pretty cool sports cars and at one time that was pretty fun uh but you know that inspired me and i had that vision uh you know i i wanted to get into law enforcement and a quick way that I chose was uh, try and join the military. And uh, when I got in there to the recruiter's office, I was like, yeah, I want to be a cop. And he's like, no, you don't. Not in the military. Because you're going to stand there and check IDs and it's gonna, you're going to hate your life. And I was like, oh, all right. 
now knowing what I know now, you know, that's not nearly as true. I mean, you do start out checking IDs at the gate, but there's a lot of things that you have to like that you're responsible for. Uh, so he, he kind of had a bad perspective on that, but I got in, um, long story short, that's how I got into law enforcement was through the military and air force. Now I'm, uh, with the department of the air force, uh, office of special investigation. So I'm still with them. Uh, just do it part-time now, uh, in the reserves. So that's I love why it. I can have this and everything. Yeah. Um, I love it. Now you take an assignment with the Amish. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, the brother, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go bust in one of their, uh, you know. Oh man, what was that stupid TV? The Amish mafia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bust in on one of those. <laughs> Lebanon Levi, and I don't know if he's copyrighted or not, but that was his name on that show. So. Oh, geez. Protected yeah. by Lebanon Levi, you get you a bumper sticker. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) but yeah, so, um, you know, the reason why, one of the reasons why I bring up that story is, uh, you know, that recruiter, he had a really, like, like I said, he had a bad perspective on military law enforcement, at least, you know, the security forces part of it. He was probably Um, investigated by him. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. It's very true. It could very much happen. Uh, and so, man, the other day, so I, I bring all this up just because it, perspective is so important, whether it's, you know, when, when you're talking about a certain job in the military, or if you're, if you're talking about, you know, things that you've seen that you can't unsee it's, and it's so easy to just have a negative perspective on everything. Um, and I was reminded of this recently because my son Easton, uh, we, I picked him up from school yesterday and <laughs> He, he was like, you'll never guess what happened at gym. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh. Uh, okay, you got beat up. Uh, you got pantsed. Uh, you got hit in the face with a dodgeball. I'm saying all these things. And he's like, no, worse. I tripped. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's worse than getting beat up? <laughs> yeah. So I, I started. I started cracking up and I was like, buddy, I'm not laughing because you tripped. I'm just laughing because your perspective is so terrible yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, keeping a good perspective, uh, you know, in, in law enforcement, we lose, we kind of start to lose a lot of faith in humanity. Uh, it's kind of difficult because we see, we just see the, the negative and, and just the worst, the worst. And, uh, like like Sheriff Judd, you know, he saw a terrible thing in Lakeland the other day, and and so like it's it's hard to, you know, believe that there's good people out there, but there are there are there very much are. There's more good than bad, so it's one of those things you just gotta keep a good perspective. But anyway, yeah. that's my life lesson. Sum up. We can get yeah. rolling now, but I just wanted to throw that out there because it was on my mind. The media for all the good it does about access to information can control people's perspective. Yes. Uh, yep. Putting out that negative impression or focusing on a segment of it that really didn't, didn't have that big of impact um, until they got involved with it. So I'm not blaming the media. I'm just saying that sometimes the media has the avenue to control some of those emotions. Yep. And, um, 
you know, good press conferences, good press managers, communication managers, maybe can help with um, with that in some ways. Um, but man, sometimes media just can overblow something, and the part that you want out there in the media gets lost in the weeds, and you hate when that happens. So. Anyway, yeah, it's a great perspective. I would have thought the same thing, you know. Tripping, eh, for me, not so bad. Maybe <laughs> in front of a bunch of girls at that age, probably pretty devastating to him, you know. He's trying Maybe. to work on his image a little bit, and it's like, oh, last thing you need to do is trip. I'd rather get beat up, you know. <laughs> at least I could say I got into a fight, and then there's yeah. something for me. You got to see the other guy. So, anyway, oh, man. All right. Yeah. Well, I got one for you, man. And it's kind of cool. Kind of plays into our uh, talk last time about uh, informants and uh, some of the positive and negatives of using informants and positive and negatives for them to become an informant. And um, so it kind of plays into that. So I want to throw it at you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was in a corporate security setting and I was working um, basically in no better terms, kind of a check-in IDs kind of day where you don't have a whole lot going on and just mm. kind of standing around doing things, looking at stuff. And um, I didn't really actually work a gate or a door or anything like that. It just was the level of workload I had on that particular week or day. Yeah. And I had a uh, customer service representative come walking into my office tapping her toe in front of my desk oh yeah mad hands about, on the hips yep mad because she wanted to know if i could do anything about the favoritism in this place and i'm like oh you know i'm not hr but you know last time i checked maybe look at the board go the right person but you know all this is flowing through my head i'm not going to say that to her and i was like what are you talking about and she said well she goes, I put up a note on the bulletin board that I have these chocolate-flavored XX balls for sale, and I got in trouble for it because I'm selling stuff on company property. You know, yeah, it's obviously I heard that. Chocolate-flavored X-Lax? Yeah, X-Lax balls. And that's maybe an over-perspective view of what she was selling, but it was about as worth as that okay <laughs> and she's uh fussing because she got jammed up by it by her supervisor and she said how is it any different when so-and-so can go around selling handbags to people on the property and get away with it and i'm like oh wait a minute number one it, you know you know from the policy that we don't allow any kind of solicitation on the property that's just straight up people get involved with that you cross a couple lines of, if you're busy doing that, why aren't you working? And is it a double dipping situation? You're getting paid to be at your job, and now you're making money while you're working on our dime? You know, you know. so it opens up several different things. And on top of that, we're talking about, you know, product that we handle raises a red flag when somebody's got it for sale. So now we're looking at, where did, where did this come from? And a manager on top of it. So all these different levels of things are flowing through my head. Like, 
you know, now, you know, what started as a normally verbally abusive customer service representative, not to the customer, but to people she worked with, turns into, man, we might have a case here. So we used to have a saying that, you know, customer service reps, they know everything. They know it all. And uh, if you want anything kept secret, you don't tell them. And certainly if you're working an investigation, you never tell nobody nothing. But there used to be an old phrase, you know, you want to get something out there, you could telephone, telegraph, tell a CSR, customer service rep, because they know <laughs> it all. They'll get it spread for you. Tell a CSR. I love yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I used to, I think when I was a early 20s, I heard that phrase used, instead of CSR, you, you know, tell a, tell a woman. So, because they talk a lot. But uh, we won't delve into that for this purpose we'll stay with the csr yeah yeah you know because i know some i know some men that can be pretty uh oh pretty loose at the lips yeah yeah and they i mean they made a whole andy griffith show about the men that gossip just as bad as women so <laughs> you know if it's good for andy i mean it's, you know what happens yep but uh so here she is. She's pounding her foot. She's like, I'll, I'm mad. I want to call somebody. I'm going to do this. I'm like, okay, just relax. Let me look into it. You've given me a lot of good information to look into, but just let me look into it. Don't tell nobody we're here. Let's do a whole confidentiality agreement on your, you've laid out some stuff that I have to look into, and I will keep you updated. Don't go asking nobody. Don't go to your boss and tell them. Anytime you go to corporate security for any kind of claim like this you have to maintain a confidentiality agreement with them and yeah there are consequences sure. to that you know woman was 14 years on the job you're not going to jeopardize your job because you can't keep your mouth shut so let's work on this and let me do my thing so i get the information i'm like holy crap this is a lot of stuff so um first thing i want to do you know is get some more information from her, find out who bought a handbag or who's seen with a handbag and um, maybe go and CCTV, circuit TV look and see what uh, we have going on there with that and um, start putting some uh, a framework of an investigation together for this thing and see if I can build some evidence where it takes. Me. So um, as far as the informant part of it is, did she come in there because she was mad about potentially being in trouble for what she did? That was a violation of company policy. Or was she doing it out of the goodness of her heart? Obviously, you know, I'm thinking the former. She's mad. Yeah. You know? Trying to take out her competition. <laughs> yep. Trying to take out her competition. And why can I not sell my chocolate flavored XX balls? And, you know, make pennies on the dollar when this manager. Number one, power of authority, and he gets to do like handbags and make you know hundreds of dollars. How can this be fair? Had she not gotten in trouble down the road, she may have bought a bag herself. So you have to think about some intentions on that, but don't be judgmental about it. Be grateful for the information. And maybe that's a conversation you have down the road. Like, you know, we got to be better than this. The only reason you told me this stuff in the first place was because you got in trouble. Yep. Um, I've had cases 
very similar to that where, you know, people will come in, talk about certain stuff. And then once I built up some evidence, I come to find out that they were a customer at one point. <laughs> so then I bring them back in. I'm like, hey, so why didn't you tell me this part? Oh, well, uh, I didn't think uh, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to get in trouble. And I'm like, like well, you are in trouble because you didn't tell me. Hello, we have to play by the rules. We know you don't have to, but you know, for us to be successful, we got to play by the rules. We got to know all the things. Yep. This crazy. Okay, so <clears throat> I start developing, you know, my information where I want to go. I started with a couple of uh, some of the names that were mentioned were kind of higher up in the in the uh, business, and so pretty much just went to them and kind of an informal situation. I'm like, wow, that's nice, nice handbag you got there. And um, see what they say. Let them open up. One was, uh, yeah, thanks. That was it. And another one, I kind of left it alone because that one, not that open to talk to me, may be open to talk to somebody else. So I backed off of that one. I went to another one and just kind of, hey, that's a nice handbag. She said, yeah, man, you wouldn't believe it. I got it from so-and-so for 60 bucks. You believe that? Believe it time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. You say you got it from so-and-so. Bingo. Yeah, he was. Uh, he walked by the office one day and showed me a couple handbags. I wonder if I wanted to buy one. And I'm like, okay, okay. Um you see anything wrong with that? Well, you know, it was just a conversation we were having. And uh, I'm like, and you were on your break, right? And she goes, oh, yeah, you know, at my desk. I eat at my desk, working break. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, I need to just let you know I'm looking into some of this a little bit. You've not done anything wrong. Just want to, um, you know, that I know of. I just want to make sure you understand. You know, let's not talk about this until I get back to you and let you know it's all clear and everything. Don't tell him I talked to you or anything. And don't say anything among the other ones. Now, this ball is rolling. Once yep. somebody knows I'm involved in a short window to get some things down and make some moves before the, you know, the whole thing's up. So she has put me insight of a piece of property and a name of a person that did it this person has no reason to lie as far as we know that uh, the same name that i heard from her the same name i heard from the csr sounds like my guy so i go back to the office we pull some stuff together i look at uh some video footage got kind of the date about time the purse was uh, bought and looked back through some video footage find the guy wheeling a box down the hallway and taking it to excuse me taking it to a room and this room is just kind of a storage catch-all room okay and then leaves the room with box still in there i got keys to everything me and my partner we head down to the hallway open up the room and there's the box now, this particular company has labels that they put on the boxes to help sort it and store it and keep track of things and, you know, try to 
uh, inventory, quality control, things of that nature. I look on the box, and it's not addressed to this guy who has put it into this room. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, further investigation shows that this box has an open inquiry on, hey, where's my box kind of thing. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I look in the box. There's still some purses in it. I know they're counterfeit. You know, the there's a few things you can get online from uh, <clears throat> counterfeit products and uh, cargo theft task forces and things. And Louis Vuitton will never sew a scene through the logo of the LV. And sure enough, this thing had thread going right through the middle of it to sew the end of it up and all. So you know it's a counterfeit job. Yeah, those are those like high end, high ticket uh, like items and companies. They will sometimes they'll even put out on their website like, "Hey, here's how you spot a counterfeit one compared to what we have," and mm-hmm. it'll give you all those tips and tricks and stuff like that. They'll be like, "Well, we'll never put the tag on the right side" or or something like that. You know, it's so uh, if you ever come across something like that, or even if you know if you're a, you know just regular civilian listening to uh, this podcast and you're about to purchase something that seems like a really good deal and you can look at those pictures and be able to tell if it's counterfeit or not just by knowing those things right i look back at uh, some more information on this and uh, you know i'm not thinking the box belongs to this manager and i'm thinking that for all intensive purposes purposes i'm looking at a box that's been stolen product and sold and um as we put the case together i'm keeping my chain of command informed of what's going on because it does involve managerial level employees we get um some more information and it's time to inform this particular manager supervisor of what we're looking into Mm. now out of professional courtesy with different levels of management and different divisions of the company. And you have to be careful where you inform, when you inform, when to bring someone up to speed or read them into the case, so to speak. Yep. And, you know, you don't know who's involved with what. I've known several managers that I thought, or several employees that I thought were pretty good guys, turned out to be not so good. And then I've known some that I thought were you know, said, oh, man, that was a scrub. He turns out to be one of your best employees. He just yeah. isn't up. You, know, you can never trust that. So you have to be careful. And the easiest way to do it is get somebody else's approval that, yeah, it's time to let this person know. And that way everybody's on the same page when we go through. And we know that... Uh, we're okay as far as legalities are concerned, uh, proper notifications are concerned, and some of the things that corporate involved with uh, the corporate security side as well as in corporations are sometimes a little more, a little more steps in them in between those parts than there is in the criminal world. Um, but the, the, the process remains the same. If you want to maintain integrity of your case, you have to be careful where the information goes. And informing this guy doesn't mean telling him everything we know. What it's going to do and how we handled it was let him know that we had an issue come up. We found out that 
this particular employee of your is doing A, B, and C, and we're letting you know that we're looking into it, and we need you to maintain that level of confidentiality as we go through the case. We will uh, keep you updated, but he doesn't know how much we're going to update him. It's a lot of there's a lot of steps in it to maintain the integrity of the case. It's not meant to hide people from the information. It's just that until your case is solid, you want to make sure that nothing can happen to it that would jeopardize the hard work you put into it so far. Right. So kind of a kind of one of those deals. Yeah. Tell this guy. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say it's just one of those things, you know, it, it's hard to know who to trust. Um, I mean, and even in my experience, like there's certain people that we're almost like guaranteed to trust and then we tell them something, but then we've come to find out that they let that out somewhere, uh, or they tip somebody off and it's like, man, like you're supposed to be on our side. Like you're not law enforcement, but you're on our side and you go and do this. So it's, it's tough. Um. It, it's one of those things where you just got to really evaluate and then kind of do like a risk versus reward kind of thing. Like what's the risk if we tell this person some of the stuff and if it's not detrimental to the case and you can most likely push through with it if you think that it's the right decision. So. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. It just, you never know what's going to open up when you do something like that. You never know what information you're going to have, what new evidence you're going to find. Um, you just, you just don't know. I go into this guy's supervisor's office and kind of lay it out a little bit. We've got information and evidence that here's the information we have on the box. Here's the information we have on the inquiry. Here's the information we have from, um, witnesses who've purchased this stuff. It's been done on property, which is, you know, just piling up against this guy and the, uh, senior leader is kind of wigging out and saying man this can't be happening this can't be happening he was about to nominate this guy for an annual it's kind of like an employee of the year award and now he's like what am i doing so everything's kind of falling into place and uh we've let him know and obviously provided him with confidentiality agreement as well and off we go to the races with this um, with this investigation, looking pretty good, and it all started from somebody who felt wronged that they felt picked on because they were um, being treated differently than managers, even though both of them were violating company policy. I don't know what they expect, you know, when you yeah. violate policy and somebody finds out. Doesn't matter who you are, you're going to get it, so to speak. But uh, um, that was the that was the issue up to this point, and we make the decision that it's time to talk to this manager. Now, normally, when you're investigating within a corporate setting, and you're going to be interviewing a person who is a higher rank or higher level of supervisor than you, right. you either have to have a same level supervisor in there with you or permission from your chain of command to proceed. Yep. And um, at this point, this person was a level above me. And um, 
I didn't have any trouble getting permission because his manager knew about it, who's two levels above me, and he told him in no certain terms, if you value your job at all, you'll sit down and talk to this person. There's no Miranda rights yep. or yep. corporate setting. Um, you're not interrogating, you're interviewing. And um, I don't know if we, I think we talked about, no, we did. There were two types of interviewing and investigation, interrogating schools that you could attend and get certified through. One was called the Reed Technique by a fellow named John Reed out of New York. Hmm. And another one was by a company called um, Zulowski, uh, Wicklander Zulowski. And um, the read technique is no longer used. It was old school. It was back in the day, the 90s, NYPD blue, whack person in the head with phone book. <laughs> These guys were pretty, they violated just about every, um, I don't, not necessarily a civil right, but they violated every right you could have as a human being to try to get a statement out of you. And, um, at least it's perceived that way now. Back in the day, it was commonplace interviewing yeah. interrogation techniques. Now that as things evolve with society and, and different tactics of interviewing and, and uh, talking to people, this Wicklander Zalowski has a great approach that's very proven, effective, and they're still in business. Nice. Um, you know, it's a, good, uh, it's a good class to attend. With the corporate security side versus a criminal interview, um, the rules could be a little bit different um, depending on the state laws and in some cases federal law. But you want to follow your guidelines appropriately for the situation that you're in. And a lot of people complain that it was, you know, kind of handcuffing them, so to speak, to get their interviews taken care of in an appropriate way and uh, get the results they wanted. But my context has always been, and I was right in the middle of that, where the one style was phasing out and the other style was coming in. And my position has always been build a better case. Just build a better case. If you build a better case, you don't have to rely on whether a suspect will or a subject will confess or not. You know, one of your best cases is one where you can walk in and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Detective Metcalf, and I'm here to talk to you about the situation, and I'll let you know up front. You've already been advised your Miranda rights. I don't care if you tell me anything or tell me nothing. I already got the case. I'm just bringing you in. See if you want to help out with the information, help yourself out, whatever you want to do, but I don't need your confession. I already have a case. Mm -hmm. Those are the best ones to have. And pretty much we were, we were pretty much in that position with this guy. We've already established that the box wasn't his, that the product wasn't his, that there was an inquiry to support that. Uh, we've got other witnesses that stated he's the one that sold it to him. We have uh, CCTV, the closed circuit TV. Uh, that verified that kind of thing. We had tons of evidence showing that, you know what, 
You can confess, you can deny, whatever you want to do, we got it. We got the agreement to set this guy up for an interview and brought him in. Kind of laid it out, you know, just like this. So here's what we have. You've got this. We even showed him a few uh, still photos that we took from the video. Here you are with the box. Here's where the box came from. Here's where the box is supposed to be going to. But instead, it's on our property still. And you're the last one that touched it. Furthermore, here you are carrying bags out of that room on certain dates and times and then returning without them. We've got people that are identifying where those bags went. It's pretty much a slam dunk. And he knew it. And uh, part of his information was, yeah, that's true. But if there's anything I can do to make my case better, I've got a story to tell you. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> you open that can of worms and you never know what you're going to find. It's like a box of chocolates, right, Forrest? Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure and tune in next week when we unpack a new one. And I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on. And make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.